Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Romeo from the Vintage Star Wars Club, and you're listening to the Rebel Base Car Podcast. Great pull, kid. I hope you're still paying attention because now I'm going to tell you the most important. You've seen the show, and like us, you have questions. Ooh, that was a good one, but try this one on for size. No question should be left off your list. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I got a crazy theory, but hear me out. But you better have some spares. Oh, that was one of mine. All right, let's do this instead. With me, as always, is my friend and Card Squadron winger. This is Greg Cass, a.k.a. Island Cannon. We've recorded at home and across the U.S. Last summer, we were from the Boston Common. This week, we're in Chicago. This is day three of celebration. The show has had many names, but the purpose is the same. Let's share some time at the table. Ding, ding, it's time for breakfast. Welcome to The Breakfast Pack, a Rebel Base Card micro podcast series. A returning Star Wars insert podcast series that asks more questions than it answers. Today on Breakfast Pack number 56, we are asking questions on the Mandalorian season three finale called The Return, which premiered on Disney Plus on Wednesday, April 19th. With me for breakfast and back from the outer furnace rim is my co-host and card squadron winger Gregory Cass from Ion Cannon on Instagram Hive and IonCannon.com. Greg, I trust those hyper furnace lanes are back in operation. <laughs> Actually, that was all a lie. Uh, I just didn't want to <laughs> deal with Tom Gross, so I made up some excuses and and held out for the better coffee with kenobi co-host but that's not spoiling what's coming <laughs> you know we have been fortunate once clear of the doubling of bad batch and mando to have some great guests including tom gross from copy with kenobi and a bunch of other folks i keep saying coffee with kenobi but he's actually teachers in the dungeon so i don't want to get another text from dan so there you go i've corrected it on the fly i'm not editing this out um, and for the season finale, we are blessed once again to have another great guest, co-creator of Coffee with Kenobi, the one thing we just talked about, and friend of the show, Corey Club is here. Corey, it's nice to talk with you. I think the last time I saw you was at Celebration Anaheim, just before the fun started with you. I'm sure you're better now, but how you been? I've been fantastic. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Uh, obviously, hopefully I'd do better than Tom Gross, uh, but... Uh... <laughs> That's all good. It's all good. I'm, I'm, I'm large shoes to fill, but uh, yeah. Last time we talked, I think Greg was uh, Anaheim. Uh, was about a, almost a year ago, at least longer, a little longer, a year ago or so. But uh, yeah, um, had a great time there, and then unfortunately came down with COVID uh, on the last oh. day there, and uh, stayed back and went to flew home early. So, uh, but I got great uh, vibes from you guys, and definitely had it was fun to see the last day through your eyes for sure. Mm -hmm. oh, appreciate it. And of course, you're on, you know, CWK pour over uh, nearly every yep. week talking, uh, giving your top five and everything else right there. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, although you're not doing the main show as much, um, sometimes, though, when, when Dan gets you on, though, it's sort of like, whoa, this is like serious. All right. We've got the two, you know, we got the two <laughs> pillars back and they're, they're going over. But uh, it's been fun listening to you um, because I know you're a big Mandalorian fan. And that was one of the reasons we wanted to have you on. But this is an insert series podcast in the regular feed where Corey, Greg, and I are going to trade questions to each other that we haven't talked about before. Since we're talking about a current series of Star Wars, if you haven't seen the episode, that's a dumb thing to say. You have, you've obviously have seen the episode, <laughs> but if you haven't, this is your only warning. We would invite you to come back and please listen after you've watched. Now, 
Um, for this contest of questions, there are no points. Bonuses are lightning rounds. But there is something we like to call the Greg's List, which is a selection of podcasts and other assorted media that we ingested to see if they've answered any of our questions and then some. It's also one of my favorite parts of the show as it highlights just some of the amazing work being done out there in the community. We hope that you check out some or all, and maybe find a new content creator you like and want to support, just like CWK. Um, now, I know that we kind of were kind of throwing this at you, Corey, but I am curious, what is in your playlist, if any? You do a lot of podcasts, or Ooh. and I'm sure you read some websites, maybe some emails, some things like that, but what is your go-to source for Star Wars content or Mandalorian content that you've been kind of doing maybe outside of the show? You know, that's a good question. Uh, I, I tend to try to do limited amount because uh, I tend to get oversaturated sometimes. Um, uh, you know, in the matter of just trying to level set, if you will, my social media is full of it. Uh, I do listen to some um, YouTube channels, that some guys that break some stuff down. And um, I guess Full of Sith is one I, I would reach out mm -hmm. to and take a listen. I think those guys do a good job analyzing stuff um let's see what else man there's so many um yeah it's just a matter of, of trying to vary you know if i'm going to go on a show or something and talk i want to make sure that i'm kind of fresh and understand what i want to say but i will kind of pit that against you know what i will have you know out there and to see what oh, did i miss something um there's something that um, i could look at it from a different perspective um so i don't want it to be wean too much into a favor of like oh I'll say that too uh, and make it my own, but I'll try to like uh, just go out there and try to make sure that, um, you know, I have my own thoughts out there and opinions on things. But then I, I, I enjoy the dialogue uh, more so than just listening necessarily. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. Excellent. Uh, Greg, I know that you have been busy grading papers and I'm sorry, I really can't hear you over the awesomeness of his posters. Do you see the Raiders of the Lost Ark next to the to the Back to the Future? I, I, uh, I've been it's clearly Last Crusade it's and I would have that tattooed on my heart. So I know exactly which one that is. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, you know, it was a light podcast week for me. I really appreciate what Corey's saying because I do think in times when I'm not busy, I sometimes like listen to, to you know, if you get up to four or five and you're like, am I really listening to five hours about one 40 minute episode? And, and I think it does affect how you then consume because it's a chance. And I think this moment we're in, I mean, everybody was debating about the spies last week. Mm -hmm. And I think we got, yes. you know, a pretty simple, straightforward answer to that question. But the way we all wound each other up, it kind of made for <laughs> unhealthy. And um, and I, I, I'm going to throw myself into the mix on that. I was, you know, shooting texts and, and I sent in a question to you all last week that was like, you know, it's got to be this. And it, 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 poor, poor Emily Swallow. Uh, I think she said she was at a con and got back online and she's like, what's going on? <laughs> Like, I can't believe what you're saying. Uh, what happened? So, um, so really, I just want to shout out uh, because I already threw him under the bus. Um, but I thought uh, Tom and Ross did a great job on the episode without me. And I really, you know, I haven't been absent a lot lately. But when I am, I, I always enjoy hearing um, our show with with some fresh blood in it. And um, those two were a, a laugh a minute 
particularly Ross asking you to <sighs> sing the TK number to the tune of eight six seven five three zero nine, and just the way that I somebody pointed this out, the pause where you're all really trying to like harmonize and find the right tone, it just it cracks I was me just up. trying so, to like fun. maybe cut Ross off, and you know, you know what, that was great, Ross, but I think we'll. Uh, no, I don't think I'm going to live that one down either, uh, to be honest with you. So, but yeah, they they came in like champs and and uh, and and covered and and like I said, you know, as I was, I would, you know, kind of a spoiler for you know some saying I'm going to stuff stuff I'm going to say later on in the show. You know, we've been doing this since January because Bad Batch kind of started, and then we had you know the the weeks where we had the overlap, and so you know it was crazy. And then trying to get into the feed, and then of course you know, like I said. Because because I'm staring at, at Corey's CWK hat, I'm like that's just fresh in my mind. You know, we were crashing, hey, and, and you've got the CWK Ooh, shirt. shirt. Too. I'm repping uh, too. Like it. I love I, it. I wear the band shirt when the band is on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we were all crashing. You know, Dan's live show. You know, on Monday night, and you know, th- putting stuff in there. It was just kind of a continuation of the feed. Um, but you know, I would say, you know, um, what, oh gosh, what I also loved. Yeah, I, I got a chance to listen to a few, you know, Krypton to Alderaan, um, reactions, of course, with, you know, David and Aaron, um, mm-hmm. Star Wars Sessions. And you've been talking about Sessions. You, I think you've been on the Sessions train um, for a while. I thought so. Or maybe it was Ross. Ross I think it's was, Ross. I've, okay. I haven't listened to them lately, but I, I know they put out a good product. Uh, first time having a chance to listen to them. And it was really nice because I do like getting that, getting some fresh perspectives on it. Mm. And uh, so it, it, it's been really fun. Of course, pod, podcast Stardust, you know, um, you know, they, Dennis and, and uh, Jay yep. Krebs do just some amazing work there. So it's been fun. And all, you know, all season long, uh, the Fanta Tracks folks, right? So you've got, you know, Cart, you know, of course, Ross and Jen and Daniel and all those folks have been doing it there. So, you know, I think everybody's kind of looking forward to summer break, kind of getting that like, hey, it's it's OK if you're not if we're not going to roll right into another series uh, for a little mm-hmm. while. And especially, you know, Corey, because you guys on the on the pour over do a lot of like, you know, you got summer movies coming out. And so it's not just all yeah. Star Wars for you folks. So I'm, you're probably looking forward to something else a little bit. You know, you make a good point because, uh, and I'll get into this as we talk about this episode, but um, I, at the end of this, I really felt like this was a nice breath of fresh air. Like, I, I don't have to worry about the next looming threat of going on in The Mandalorian. I don't have to worry about the big bad. I can just kind of say, okay, I feel like this was a nice kind of like bookmark, if you will, uh, in this chapter. And I'm looking forward to, you know, the next series, which will be Ahsoka. Uh, looking forward to you know what comes next you know they've announced a lot of these other things coming out it's like you get overwhelmed so much and i know that kind of gets that same with marvel stuff you go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing and we went recently saw the mario movie with my kids mm-hmm. i had a blast going to mario because i had nothing going in thinking well you know what's going to happen i can go in and enjoy it for what it is sitting with dungeons and dragons i feel like these non-franchise movies that are, you know they're eventually be franchised but i can go and actually enjoy it and not have to worry about you know, the next Captain America or Iron Man, what have you, or same with the Star Wars stuff. So for this episode, I feel like this was a nice stopping point and saying, okay, I could breathe a little bit before Ahsoka comes out and enjoy my summer, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so let's go ahead and start with our first question. We always usually let our, our guest lead it off. What is a burning question you have for the return? Ah. <sighs> I would say, did it satisfy you? 
Um, mm. You know, because I feel like we're in we're in season three, right? And this season has been a little bit different than season one and two. And so I feel like I don't want to say we're just spinning our gears, but did this season satisfy you as Star Wars fans, Mandalorian fans, coming into a, a third season? Hmm. I, I think you're absolutely right to point out that it felt very different this season. Um, one of my very good friends here in, in town, uh, Director Benick on uh, Instagram and Twitter or wherever he is, Zen Kenobi, uh, he um, he loved the first season as, because it was like it was a story happening in Star Wars, but totally separate from everything else. And I think we've seen this progression where it's getting closer and closer to like the center of Star Wars and what's mm. going on. And I think that has been an adjustment for me. I, I won't pretend to speak for anybody else to be like, oh, okay, this is actually going to be the site of a really big story at the heart of whatever is happening during this period. And we're going to have episodes set on Coruscant and we're going to get the the Imperial Revenant and all of that. So saying all that, I, I do think that I am leaving the season satisfied, but it was about halfway through the season where I kind of said to myself, just just enjoy the ride, right? Don't necessarily theorize and over-speculate. At its core, I think Mando should still be the story of Din and Grogu, and I don't mind all these ex- extra elements, but to me, the season was at its best and its most satisfying when it remembered that those two are why we tune in and why we show up and, um, you know, whatever pew-pew adventures they want to get up to are perfect for, for the, <laughs> the show. You know, it's interesting because, you know, there is the initial watch of this particular episode, and then I watched it again and got a completely different take on it. Now, you know, there is something to say for the expectations you have going in. And then rewatching a piece of content, once you know kind of what it is, and then you can just take it for what it is. And I really kind of had to do kind of a double take. And I, I would say most of the season, Greg, you've heard me say, you know, I don't mind the adventure of the week as opposed to some of the overreaching, you know, story, which in a lot of cases this touched on. And I'd be the first to, I'd be the first to say, I'd be a hypocrite if I said that I was surprised where it ended because it felt more like a series ending than a season ending. And it was interesting to me that, you know, the, the pieces fell where they were and we'll get into more of that. But, you know, when I look, when I did, I did a checkbox, I did a mental checkbox afterwards. And I was like, everything that I wanted to see kind of happen did kind of happen. It just happened in a little different way. And maybe they kind of, you know, took a shorter route. But then I said, well, isn't that satisfying to me? And I'm like, yeah, it kind of is. And, you know, who doesn't want to see Din kick back on a chair watching his (laughs) kid play in a yard? That's, that's a parent's dream for any of us. And you go, okay, I guess they wanted them here at this time. And so I would say that I, I would agree in Corey. I do think that there were parts that were a little uneven or they were trying things and, and, you know, maybe later we'll get the fuller picture, but you know, at the end, uh, they're where they need to be, I guess, or they're, they're where they want them to be. Um, what do you, what do you, what do you think, Corey? Yeah, I think it's really good. You know, one thing that, again, I'm going to go back to just storytelling in general. Dave Filoni is a master, and John Favreau, too. Those guys have just, like you said, taken this 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 Mandalorian show and just done wonders to the franchise. And um, 
it's 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 hard to live in a day and age where technology is faster than you can kind of think and social media is so quick to jump out there with you know what's going on or what's the latest thing and so going into like i think it was like episode one or two of this season we knew i guess john Bradway had said like i've gotten season four written up ready to go like they're they're banking on it and then we saw the announcement from filoni directing uh future film and all great news but it's like now i've got that in the back of my head is this just filler to get me to the next thing like make me make me feel for it a little bit make me you know uh look forward to the tuning into the next episode and i feel like this wasn't as bright a spot i guess if you will um from season one and two because i think they were just really we're, we're trying new territory season one and two trying to try to understand what they really had going on uh and the whole thing is just fantastic and and the thing is when that gets to that point we're like well how do we do this even better you know how do we keep going with this and my hopes that was they continue to knock our socks off but um was i overly satisfied this season i, I yes and no but to your point greg the fact that like looking forward to you know that week episode just sit back and, and enjoy it right uh just enjoy it for what it is take it in um and not try to overthink it because you know <laughs> at some time point in time we're gonna have to see the end too you know and, and want more so my hope is that uh they continue to take this and uh build this up this is a like we talked about this earlier and somebody had said oh it's it's world building and i said no it's story building because i think we're going to be melding this into obviously you know streaming into soka series and into the in the film itself so that's my hope uh that would do that and then as the next season comes out and we you know see that progression as well that storytelling arc I'm going to steal the spotlight because I think this welds uh, well into one of my questions for uh, today. Um, but I, I really like that point you're making. And, and it, if anything, I think all those celebration announcements made me expect this to move much more quickly toward Ahsoka mm. and mm. Skeleton Crew and the film and all that. So I was very surprised, not this week, but last week. I, it felt like the perfect time to throw in Thrawn and get that going. And it, it was really like uh, Moff Gideon himself was told, like, just wait, just wait. And <laughs> I think that was a message to us. Like, we yes. know it's coming and it's a promise they've made us, but um, they're going to take their time. And it maybe it's Ahsoka season three before, you know, these start to really cross over or something like that. Like, I... I, I think even I, I'm going to forget the exact number, but I think Kathleen, Kathleen Kennedy said like five to six years before the Filoni movie. So um, yeah, they they time. wanted this to be a, a nice experience for us all uh, over time. And so um, my question, I think, um, is related to that question of satisfaction. And it is we were just talking about the uh, the the virtues of not overindulging in social media and other uh, consumers of that. But I, I would say that one of the things I've noticed in reactions and listening to podcasts and going on YouTube and, all, and on um, social media is that people were really confused about, um, you know, er, early in the season, it became what is this season about? What is the point of this? What's the overarching story? And I think, you know. I guess it it is actually Dan who always says like let them tell the story before you judge it right like like see where <laughs> yeah. it's going before you judge it. Um, but I wondered if maybe um, I I think from my perspective, not in terms of storytelling, but in terms of like construction, I think they've made a couple missteps. I think those two mm -hmm. episodes in Book of Boba Fett really threw the Mandalorian audience off a little bit. 
And so part of my question here is is in response to that. And, and I'm really wondering if we should have had a separate season three of Mandalorian and then this other show that I'm imagining you call the book of, or sorry, the song of Bo-Katan, ooh, right? Ooh. Because they referenced the song of Lady Crease uh, last episode. And it really got me thinking like, you know, how how interconnected are those stories? Um, and maybe that's the better version of this question is, do you think it was essential to tell these two stories together? Or should these two stories have maybe been disentangled for us to experience? Uh, and you can decide whether that's about responses or your personal enjoyment, kind of however you want to take that. Hmm. Yeah, I'll kick it off. Um, yeah, it was interesting to see Bo-Katan take a, a front seat for this season. Because I, I felt like she was the spotlight for a lot of these episodes. She was learning a lot. She had the best arc, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like Mandalorian and, and Grogu were kind of the, the co-stars. Um, the, uh they were there, uh, but they weren't necessarily, there was no through line necessarily for them. Uh, episode one and episode eight, uh, there wasn't a lot of growth other than uh, we see the, the adoption at the end. That was a big growth for, for you know, that, that daddy. Uh, but um, I think it's interesting to tell those still parallel stories because there's roots there. I think one thing we, we want to know about Mandalorian, where he come from, where, where, you know, where was, where, was he, you know, grounded in the sense where did he get his creed? And we didn't really necessarily learn a lot of that. We learned a lot of the other uh, tribes and them coming together and harnessing the power of different ways of thinking about a, a cultural um, experience. And that was really interesting. Um, you know, I think it was a good story to tell. It just seemed like it, you're right. It did seem like kind of like a, a subset of, of the Mandalorian, which think about that title and i think it's really called the should be called the mandalorians now i mean now that we have all this stuff so it's interesting i i was okay with it i mean i think it really brought a lot of interest level for me for, for bo-katan and her journey uh obviously like i said losing the dark saber uh, that was a huge moment for this episode mm-hmm. and just seeing that uh, we talked about that earlier uh, in, a, in our other show and uh I think somebody, I think somebody said, or I said something on the fact that, like, when she lost that, as you know, it was crushed, and do we need to see that? Is it going to come back? Type thing. And I said, no, we lost that on the scene where Bo-Katan's talking to Mandalorian in the front of that that little wrecked ship. Uh, that that, um, and he says, I'll, I'll be, I'll be with you until the your song is ended or whatever he says. Uh, but I think that was a bit of a metaphoric feeling of. She lost the saber then because she's saying all I have is this 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 saber or this or this trinket whatever, and no he says like you have us basically, and she needed to have that crushed to say like oh yeah this is the last bit of remaining um, unbelief I have I'm full in type thing, uh, and that was really cool a really powerful moment I think broke it down and then you saw it through the entire series you know she was other than sitting up on her throne kind of like all loosey goose and just like not a care in the world. Now she has something to care for. She has something to fight for. She has something to go after. It's not just some trinket. Uh, it's definitely a, a culture and a way of life. You know, it's interesting now looking back as you bring it up, those two episodes of book of Boba Fett, where basically it was Mando, you know, 2.5. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think something we kind of talked 
about earlier is what would have happened if those stories had been in season three of The Mandalorian. I think it maybe would have taken away a bit from Bo-Katan, who I, I agree with Corey and you are was kind of the breakout and had the best arc of this season. I don't necessarily have a problem with you know the title kind of kind of encompassing more than just Din uh, Din Djarin, um, because I like seeing that. I think you know we've seen it like with the Clone Wars and Rebels and whatnot. You know you can go back to that well often and tell a lot of stories. And now kind of thinking back, going had it been the book of Bo-Katan instead of the book of Boba Fett. But still had those two, you know, two episodes in it. Like, wow, would have that had been interesting, and it would maybe have given a little more time to flesh out on Mandalore, knowing that we're ending there at that at that point anyway, because I think it would have given that some of that to breathe. Um, but you know, at the expense of some of the other characters that were introduced, I can kind of see it. Um, but I think to kind of get back to your question, Greg, I I I, I didn't mind them expanding it. I think it made it tougher on the audience when they went away to world build because at that point we're like, all right, we're in, let's do this. And then, you know, and then not to kind of have, I mean, we kind of left Dr. Pershing on the table. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I can, I, you know, I, I was the one giving, you know, giving, um, you know, Jack Black and, and, and Lizzo the, the high marks for that episode. Um, but, you know, poor Dr. Pershing did get a little bit of the short shift just to say, you know, like he got taken out and, and very meaningfully. So, you know, now you look back as as efficient as they were, you know, the, the, the finale was 40 minutes, like one of the smallest. They were very efficient. It does make you go back and question like, all right, we spent some time here. You know, could we have spent, you know, or heck, could you have just used another 10 minutes <laughs> Could you, how much was another 10 minutes of, of TV going to cost you when you know it was going to be by the episode are you paying by the minute and I think that's something where I do think that they're trying to figure out the serial form as much as the audience is trying to figure out the serial form and it doesn't help that Tony Gilroy wrote a really good series for Andor <laughs> that yeah. everything now gets you know imagine <sighs> if, if Andor comes out really right on top of season one of Mandalorian boy, is it, a, is, is Mando a different, you know, even looked at harsher just because Andor just really kicked it to a, to a certain audience. I think I would say one that mm. was really ready for the conflict and the story and was invested and in, like kids get out of the room. Daddy's watching. I, uh, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta watch Luthen right here. Um, so uh, that's kind of my long winded answer to that. What do you think, Greg? Yeah, it, I, it is funny. I, so actually, my D&D group had a session last Saturday, and we started talking a little bit about Mando this this season. And the agreement around the room was that, you know, Andor kind of spoiled us. And um, <laughs> even uh, Carl, who hosts uh, the Wampas Lair podcast, um, who is generally a little more down on Andor than the rest of us, it, it wasn't his jam. He's like, but the way they developed characters is so rich on that show that anything compared to that, you know, is is hard. And and I think that's true. And, you know, I, I was much more positive on the Pershing episode than most people. <laughs> but um, I really enjoyed uh, the critic Joanna Robinson, who works for Ringer and she's on Ringerverse. She pointed out that her problem with it was that it wasn't Andor. It was trying to be Andor and, and the comparison really failed, it, which is which is an interesting point. 
Um, I'll answer my own question by saying, you know, I think the reason to keep them together is the theme of the which Bo announces in the major conflict here, which is no, it's not about the trinkets. Mandalorians are better together, are stronger together. And so I think I think intertwining them does help the story of each. Um, but I, you know, I do think I, I also said in that conversation with my friends here that, um, you know, it felt very much like Marvel phase two and in Marvel mm. phase two, there were some entries that were good, but when they started trying to expand into the Marvel cinematic universe, there were moments that didn't fit quite right. I think, you know, I, I, I enjoy age of Ultron, but there's kind of this portion in the middle where they're clearly just setting up other movies and, and, you know, famously Joss Whedon was very kind of uh, upset about that. Um, and so I, I do think there's a little of that same vibe here. It's like they have now this mandate to expand this and to tell a really expansive story and to build towards a movie. And it's going to take a little time to figure out the structure that works there. And, you know, again, I, I liked the Pershing episode, but I, I think a lot of people did not and would say, no, I want a full, you know, um, Mando episode in the show called Mando. But I do think like um, they applied the lesson from Book of Boba Fett, which is, you know, they put the Mando frame around the Pershing story so that it, it kind of fit a little bit more. So um, I, I'm going to go back, just close my comments with what Corey said, which is I trust Dave and John. They've proven mm -hmm. themselves a million times over. So yeah. uh, I don't think uh, now I'm literally a man in my basement saying I could do it better. I don't want to be that guy. So <laughs> so I will say I certainly think these storytellers have earned our trust. And, and I'm looking forward to whatever they're, they're going to do as they build to, towards this event. All right. Trying not to trying not to. I'm, I'm not going to use this as a click, clickbait question. But I am curious now, having gone through another episode, how do we feel about the title, The Spies? And do we have different thoughts on who the spies were, as opposed to when we first saw it? And speculation went ablaze, as it were. Do you all have a different take on who the spies were than you did before? That plural, it's so troublesome. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, well, I I have already started drafting my apology letter to Emily Swallow because I was in the armorer <laughs> betrayal camp. Um, I know a lot. I think more people were probably in the Axe Wolves betrayal camp, but I think it's very clear that neither of those two characters betrayed the crowd Jen was on the um, the outcast Mandalorians. They seem fine. Uh, Warlock from Top Gun. I would never assume he would betray <laughs> the group. So uh, I wasn't in that camp. But um, I think, uh, you know, again, um, when we all wind each other up, we can go speculation crazy. Um, quite a few podcasts always say speculate responsibly. And I think that's always good advice. <laughs> um and I will say, I think it comes down to the end. The simple answer is uh, Aliyah Kane. And they were really making sure it was clear who she was working for as a spy. Right. And I would say Moff Gideon is the other. He's former ISB. I think he, in the Shadow Council meeting, he's acting as a spy to his own cause, right? He's mm. misleading them about what he's doing. 
he's getting the resources while also he said, you know, he, I forget the exact dialogue, but he says like, oh, I'm not cloning. That's your thing. And <laughs> after having just walked down a hallway of his own clones. So um, so I, I'm, I'm just going with those two. I think simplest answer is, is where Mando was operating on that one. Yeah, I did not like this episode title of Spies because, like you said, it's pluralization. Obviously, the, the beginning of the episode, uh, she's getting the transmission, and we're like, oh, obviously. like We we saw that back in the Pershing episode. Like, So it's like, you know she's bad. She's bad in the bone. And so, and then we see the, the evil circle council group, and we're like, okay, we, we get we get it. The long live the empire. <laughs> it's, it, it's there. But like, I think us as fans we're like now we're questioning ourselves like wait somebody in this mando community is not living up to their like somebody's playing both sides and like it's a dirty little trick like uh us as viewers that like, we trust these people we, we see them all come together and now you're gonna force them apart based on what um and i i like you thought it was armorer those axe wolves part of me thought it was a little bit of past Vizsla, and the sense of like he was like gaining this trust this this season like you know, he he didn't really trust uh, Mando. He didn't trust uh, uh, Bo-Katan. And so it was like, this dude is bright for like a, a turncoat. But he had that kind of father figure thing. So I feel like he'd be turning on his own son anyway. So then I thought, well, maybe it's him and his son. I don't know. Maybe there's some <laughs> kind of out there. I don't know. It's weird. But like your head does go to weird places. But then it was like nothing, nothing. And I was like, well, give us something. And uh, we talked about this again in our, our podcast too, a little bit, this this idea of spies. And I think it's based around, there's some biblical scripture around this literal spies that go to, to spy on this, this uh, country um, and they come back and basically say, oh, it's, it's don't go there to, to when people are going on um, in the sense of making sure that everything's okay. And I don't know if that's allusion to that, like, you know, Moff Gideon with his plans, trying to spy on the other council to see what they got going on. It was just a little too much, plus all that we got from the episode, too. Like, there was so much going on. Now we're trying to figure out who's backstabbing who, and it ended up being nobody. I thought, this is just really poor naming conventions. Uh, I could have called it something <laughs> completely different. Uh, we could have called the, you know, Long Live the Empire or something like that. And so... Coming into this this episode for the return, I was like, "Well, I mean, I'm waiting for somebody to turn, and nothing mm-hmm. happens." And and so it's like a little back to my mind trying to think through that, and it never happens. And so I guess I'm, I'm happy with that as a fan. Like I'm glad nobody like turned, and uh, you know, I thought maybe it was the, the 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 Mandalorians that were still on Mandalore. Maybe they got some deal going because we, now we have base there. And they've, they've they're running interference or something. I don't know. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of that thing, and I hope that they hear that from the fans that says like, "Hey, don't try and trick us." Uh, one last comment I'll say too is a lot of casual Star Wars fans have come on board because of Mandalorian, and it's just a casual sit down with their family. Maybe somebody in their in their, in their family is a very big Star Wars fan, and so they're kind of taking this in, and so it's like don't don't necessarily try to trick us all the time. Don't try to like, I know we're a fan, but they're also casual viewers out there. Just want to enjoy for what it is and don't be so, you know, tricky. So I want like a little more straightforwardness <laughs> only because like, I don't mind that either. Just, just feed me what I want. And, uh, and that's what I like too. So I hope they balance that, uh, as well as, you know, coming into 
you know, the next season. Well said, because, you know, I, I remember I, in listening to some of the podcast and, and some, you know, mentioned just like what you were saying, Greg, where, and, and Corey, where, you know, it could have been the, you know, bits and pieces, the shadow cancel and how they're doing it. And, you know, the reasoning, I, the reasonings are sound, but yeah, agree, Corey, uh, maybe a little too subtle for your larger audience that may not necessarily be in like we are. And I, and I do think that, you know, for good or bad, it may, you know, going, going back to the writing room for it, you may want to take a little more care with your show titles. Not that, you know, I, you know, I, I, I was like convinced this show was going to be, this last episode was going to be something different. I'm like, ah, it's going to be the song and Bo-Katan's going to fall mm-hmm. and it's going to be, and all this. And I mm-hmm. had this, I had this whole fanfic wrote, wrote up and I could have probably, I'm going <laughs> to put some money on it. I got, I got this down. And then you kind of go, wow, very humbling when you kind of go, nope, they did, they had nothing that. But I do think in this case, maybe a little more care. I mean, it's amazing what maybe a, a, an S, one character did. If it was called The Spy, you'd been like, okay, on the nose, but then kind of moved on and probably wouldn't have given it another thought. Um, no. But you add that S and all of a sudden you send us and, you know, so for good or bad, you know, I'm like, okay, uh, shame on me. But then, you know, what a week it was of trying to figure out who was the turncoat. And yes, poor Emily Swallows took it. Now, thankfully, I was on side uh, Mad Max Mando's like uh, Jen was thing. And I, I was like, yeah, that's, <laughs> I can totally see it and, and anything like that. But um, I, I thought it was it, it's an interesting exercise. But I'm glad we had a chance to kind of go back and kind of flesh out that more a little bit, even though it was part of last week's question. Anyway, oh. Corey, what's your next one? Yeah, I'm gonna hit, hit one of the big ones. Uh, Moff Gideon's plans. Uh, let's talk about that. Did it work for you? Because um, he, you know, coming off of the spy episode, uh, he talked to the council. He directly said, "Spy," or he said, uh, "Clones aren't my thing. That's your thing." And then we get to see that no, <laughs> he's trying to do every every bite off the buffet. He's trying everything. Uh, did it work for you guys? His muhaha plan. Uh, and if so, how so? And if not, why not? Good, good question. And in traditional Star Wars fashion, it's like a plan that is way longer and more convoluted than it ever needs to be. Like, say, <laughs> yeah. Luke Skywalker rescuing Han from Jabba's palace. Uh, uh, yeah, it, or something like that. So um, I... I'm going to add one of my questions. We'll call this a steal. Um, one of the things I'm wondering about um, that that when it comes to you two, I want you to throw in is, is everything Moff Gideon's doing, I think a lot of people assumed it was building to Palpatine coming back in Rise of Skywalker. So my question is, is it actually completely separate uh, as a plan, like a total different offshoot? Um, so that's part of my question and that I want to hear your thoughts on as you answer. But um. I think that Moff Gideon um, had this interesting idea of kind of taking the cloning that we've seen in Bad Batch and and other sources and really trying to perfect it and take these different pieces of all these different species and groups and so on and, and trying to bring that together. And I honestly think that that part of the plan had a really good chance at success but he couldn't let alone the Mandalorians, right? Especially his his humbling at the end of season two. And so, you know, like a good villain in mythology or something else, his downfall was his own pride at having been once bested. And, and you know, it, it was telling to me that he even was 
still trying to bargain with Bo-Katan for the Darksaber until the very end, saying, like, I'll give you a warrior's death if you give me the blade. It's like, why the heck would she take that deal at, at that point? So um, so I, I, I think that he got stuck on um, the necessity of that revenge and of having a claim on the Darksaber, and that's what brought down his plan. Um, so I'm going to go with the cloning plot totally worked for me. I'm a little confused why that needed to involve seemingly a decades long deception that Mandalore was poisoned and have a secret base there. But again, Star Wars plans. But I thought the cloning plan was pretty cool. I'm just last thing I'll say is I loved Dark Forces. I'm the exact right age that I played Dark Forces endlessly. And his plot line with the Dark Troopers really did match that in a lot of ways because you experienced the leveling up of the Dark Troopers as you played the games from droid to trooper with a human inside. And then there was a moth. I can't remember the moth's name, but he eventually, he was like the final boss and he put the suit on and you faced him down. And so that really just warmed my heart that that piece of canon that was like deeply etched in my brain came, came through and, and between the last two episodes came to be. Oh, that's, that's, that's a good take on that. Um, I would also say that I was all in for, you know, more Giancarlo all the time. I think he really embraced <laughs> 12 the, of them. Is that what you're saying? Or? Exactly. I could take that all day long. Um, and it would have been very interesting had we had some of those clones come to life just because as narcissistic as he was, um, could could 12 of them agree on, on one thing and not take each other out? Yeah. That would have been a very satisfied ending to them as well. But yeah, it's it's almost like, you know, here's an ISB guy who knows so much about Mandalorian back that even in his own armor, he was copying like the crest, you know, like the center crest, and had the horns on. And so it, it's almost like if you, uh, okay, you went you went dark forces. I'll go with that. The Robert Redford, uh, James Gandolfini movie, The Castle, right, where James oh, Gandolfini's yeah. character is is so into like the the strategy, and he's got all those boards out, and he got miniatures. I mean, who's who's not loving that as as a gamer? Yep. And and Redford's like, who cares? I mean, like who the one with combat experience just kind of dismisses him and everything he talks about. And so I like the fact that that Gideon just took this to an insane level. Um, although I was really pulling for him to kind of be, uh, have a little confrontation with Thrawn. Um, you know, one, you don't see a body. And so, you know, never, never count him <laughs> out. Although, but I would say I would really love to see the prototype Gideon still run around there because, you know, one that maybe is not all the way cooked is even better because, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, he's gone, but, um, cold pop tart. Exactly. Um, but you know, I, I I liked it, and I I liked all the flourishes on it, and I think it really showed for someone who's really gone out there um, that he went all in, even with the horns on the helmet. I mean, a lot that that uniform that that outfit was so unnecessary in certain fashions, <laughs> but he went to town. I guess if you're really gonna go, go big, and he did. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I was I was kind of all in on Gideon and his plans. And I think it did wrap up a little bit of like, okay, it makes sense that you get that season one tie in going, okay, that's why they were wanting Grogu. And, oh, that was a big, you know, and, you know, he was trying to see if he could basically cook the force, Um, (laughs) you know, but it was at the end of the day, I don't know how you do that, but, um, but yeah, all, all in for Gideon. Yeah. Gideon. uh, I love the fact that he, wanted it all. Um, but also he was very kind of a really flat character. He just kept trying to go after, but I, I think that, like you said, you, 
he wanted all this stuff, but he, he was also a coward. Like he always flew off or he just always kind of like backed down. He got beaten. He's like, oh, I'm just beaten. Like he had aspirations to do all these great things and had this great magical plan and, and try to comb to the galaxy and take all the best ofs. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting to see that, you know, yeah, we didn't see a body, like you said. We, we don't know <laughs> if he'll come back or not. I think there's always that potential out there. But uh and we have the looming threat of Thrawn out there too. So we mentioned that in the last uh, episode. So it's almost like, you know, he's he's like the I don't know. He's like the what I'm trying to think is like the um, Destro uh, to Cobra Commander or something. So it's like I feel <laughs> like he's like cooking up his schemes on the side and he's waiting for his spotlight. And uh, he was exactly what I wanted him to be. And I thought he did a good job. I didn't fully take the whole like cloning thing but once we saw there was him in that like little thing i was like oh okay that makes sense he's so full of himself of mm. course he would clone himself <laughs> he would clone anyone else and the, how, uh, you, to your point i would love to see gideon's all over the, the galaxy ruling on different heads of of you know parts of things and just doing because to me really that's i can trust myself right i don't trust these other other uh, you know, dark council to do the right thing. I'm going to go trust myself. And so his plan was probably to replace the council with himself. And so he got a giant zoom call with all them. And so uh, I love the fact that that, that was his plan. It was kind of like very kind of, yeah, that old villain, rubbing his, his hands together and getting excited about it. And uh, I hope that he's not totally gone, but uh, you know, the other thing that I want to say is I'd seen this somewhere. I don't know who said it, but, uh, early on, he doesn't have a mustache in this uh, series, and he did previously in the, in the previous season. And somebody said that's not necessarily he's not the original. The original has the mustache, <laughs> so we'll see if uh, his mustache comes back and uh, has more threats going on there. So, yeah, I like the Destro yeah, callback I, because I, he'd be just as shiny as Destro. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, I I don't think we need to do a round on this, but I think it might be an open question over whether the original died or not. And I, I similarly saw the mustache theory um, in the tank. The clone does not have a mustache, which right. also raises interesting questions to me of like, wait, did they shave the clones as they grow them? Like there's a weird <laughs> suspend your disbelief problem there. Like what? Yeah. Why would he not? And how? Anyway, so you got to forget some of that. And, you know, it could simply be Giancarlo had another role where he couldn't have the mustache sure. or something a la um, Henry Cavill uh, between Mission Impossible <laughs> and Superman. Uh, but uh, I... I I think the way I'll leave it is I think there's an opening there. If they want more Gideon, we could easily right. say, oh, I swapped him or yeah. I mean, there's there's no reason why this Gideon we met at all this season, not even the, a last minute swap, but that maybe this whole season has been um, chasing him down. Um, oh. Why they would have shaved his mustache in Republic custody, I don't really know <laughs> either. never know. It's like a Clark yeah. Kent thing. <laughs> I mean, the only razors we see in Star Wars are the ones that are Jedi comlink. So we really don't. This is an unexplored area. So um, I think it, it's me for a real question. Um, so I will, uh, I'm going to go to one of the different strands, but a lot of mine are kind of from the end of the episode. But um, do you think uh, Grogu actually connected with the Mythosaur in mm. this moment right after the adoption? Uh, so I think there's a 
case to be made that it's just like they wanted to just remind us. And there's a case that he reached towards the water and really felt uh, the mythosaur. So what do you think? Did he, did he not? What meeting would that have? Would that not have? Whatever you want to take. <laughs> hmm. I would say yes. I mean, we see him interact with a lot of different animals throughout the series, uh, whether he's eating them or not. Uh, <laughs> but um, I would say yes, because I feel like the mythosaur is kind of that like force sensitive being that's kind of like one of those things out there, like a Zillow beast or whatever, whatever the giant buffalo thing was and Clone Wars. Um, and I want to say, yeah, it's like there's this there's this weird connection with the, these animals he has. Um, I think back to I think the first episode was he the whales. He saw the whales in the hyperspace lane, and I was like, is he like is he is just an awe, or is there like kind of like a force t- sensitive like touch there somehow? And so, I mean, I would I would say yes. I would say yes because uh, I like to think that that's the case. And we're not done maybe seeing the mythosaur i expect the mythosaur to come back uh this episode and like burst from the depths and they're all in, mm. oh you know but that never happened either that was kind of like a okay now you led me on to believe something and didn't come through so um you know we'll see but yeah i think there was a connection and i think that was a powerful connection for him to even though he's little and small he's connected with that metalurian culture again like he's he's believing even though he can't speak it and say oh i I also believe, or I take the code, or what have you. But this is like his way of like saying, "Yes, I'm one with the Mandalorian culture now. I'm going to move forward with this and uh, now be with them." So I think there's a connection for sure. I'm glad I'm not the only one who had that that theory, you know, in bringing back. And I'm almost channeling my inner Albert Padilla from the Cantina cast, get the tinfoil hat on. <laughs> uh, but I was I was sure that. You know, Grogu would make a connection with the Mythosaur, and that would be the thing that destroyed the base. Just kind of like, hey, I'm over here, and then let him, let him rip it, um, at, rather than Axe Wolves kind of doing it from, you know, as someone, as someone was pointing out as an aside, you know, they can't chase down the raptor because they run out of juice. But I guess maybe Axe Wolves, instead of having the traditional backpack, maybe had the, you know, the backpack pro, right? You pay a little more for the pro model <laughs> and you get a uh-huh. bigger tank, right? You get the third, you get the, you get the third lens and the longer and the longer range. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But I, I was sure that at the end that looked like he made that connection. And, and maybe that was, maybe they originally intended that and just kind of wrote that in and go, hey, you know, this is so good. We need, we'd like to have him connect while he's there. Um, because now, you know, now they're off, uh, just connecting with frogs, poor frogs. But I, I do think that he connected with, um, and I really hope that, you know, you know, we we're seeing a new age of Mandalore. Hopefully we don't have to wait to see yet another new age of Mandalore before, before the prophecies come true. Hmm. Well, and I'll just put in the mix, we lost the dark saber. And so if there's, you know, going to be a new ruler of Mandalore, it might be the one who actually claims the beast, claims the mythosaur. And um, I I think from the beginning, I've thought Grogu was the lead candidate for that. And maybe we just aren't <laughs> going to be there for a while. Um, I, I will say the only thing that dissuaded me from sharing the theory you're both saying is that I think it would have felt too much like Book of Boba Fett with Boba Fett showing mm-hmm. up on the Rancor in the finale. Yeah, um, true. So I think maybe they, you know, who knows what they're plans are but it, it would have felt like a very similar beat so maybe that's the reason not to have it come smashing into the battle but um very early on in the season i think actually the only other time we saw the mythosaur um somebody had posted on um 
I, I think it was CWK Cafe, but it might have been another group I'm in, um, <laughs> and just pointed out, hey, I'm a visual effects guy, and that is not a model that's ready for prime time. That's oh. that's a model you see huh. in the dark in passing. It's going to take more to get it out fighting. So um, I, I kind sure. of was also just a little cool on on seeing it just totally stealing that guy's expertise um for it so but uh someday right i i think i think the promise is out there that we'll see a, a mandalore uh rise and you know who that will be is it, still an open question to me i would be curious in in this question all the you know i was i was expecting it you know to to lead into season four right and maybe for good or bad, we know that there's a season. We knew that there was a season four, and so it kind of let some, you know, oh, are they going to just, is it going to stretch into Ahsoka more than it did, or is it just going to, you know, as we saw, it just kind of ended as it did. In Ahsoka, who do you think, you know, from this cast, and I'm not talking about the Shadow Council, who do you think from the main cast, if any, shows up in Ahsoka? Much like the Mandalorian did in Book of Boba Fett, do we do we see a crossover, or are we just going to basically think that Bo-Katan and company they hire a bunch of Ugnots and they're working for the next two years on rebuilding the Dome City? I mean, Bo-Katan was huge in this, this third season, so I, I would expect her to, to kind of be out there making her rounds and I wouldn't be surprised if she shows up in Ahsoka. Actually, I would prefer that because I think she's got the closest connection uh, to her um, mm. just from the Clone Wars, um, from all of those adventures. And so there's more history there. Uh, I think fans are waiting to see kind of what, what, how that goes, if that does come to fruition. Um, yeah, that's their, I, I don't, I'd, I'd feel bad if I saw Mando because I feel like we've already seen that now. And I want Soka's series to be a Soka series. I don't mm -hmm. know if you said not not Mando 2.0 or whatever. And there's definitely we saw that I think the end of the end of this um, episode was him sitting on the porch and doing his thing. Like I'm just going to rest for a while, you guys. I'm saving my game here, and you got to go have another adventures elsewhere. So um, I would say Bo-Katan. Fair enough. What do you think, Greg? Um, I would say Teva. Uh, I think. Um, mm -hmm. In all Celebration Europe live stream hours are a blur in my mind, but we know from the Ahsoka trailer that's where we saw Mon Mothma. So there will be some kind of yes. connection to the New Republic. Oh, and Kaz's dad is is in that hologram. That's right too. So, um, oh, yeah. don't forget wow. a Resistance connection. I, I, I know who I'm on the uh, whose show I'm on. That, <laughs> that, that <laughs> you always care about the Resistance connection. So I think um, I think the New Republic's going to be involved in that story. I. I do also, I will just say the missing piece here is Rangers of the New Republic. And I think some of the storytelling yep. that was mm -hmm. planned for there might be what Teva is up to in these different shows. Um, it's very funny to me because I was a big fan of the the Netflix Marvel shows, which are, are now on Disney Plus. But um, the connective tissue in those um, was Rosario Dawson. She Her character <laughs> yes. uh, bopped between them. Yeah. So it's very funny now that that she's in the mix of another thing that is kind of looking at that model and trying to do that. And I, I think Teva is about the same level as that character was somebody kind of in the universe, but doesn't have the magic powers that uh, Ahsoka or Mando seem to uh, figurative powers. That is so. 
What do you think, question asker Greg? Mm. Who do you want to see, or who do you think? Well, does Zeb count? Zeb is going to be in Ahsoka. No, I think that's a safe bet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I think it would be interesting if there was an interaction, because I almost kind of thought that we might see Sabine. Uh, and, mm. and maybe we will once you know we get through the season one of Ahsoka, or season one or two, um, that she comes back to Mandalore because there's some interesting threads in Rebels that she pulls right. up. But I would I would have thought that you would. Uh, but I, I think I'm kind of in agreement. I think Bo-Katan does make sense because I think that you know you could you could run her a, a around the universe while, like I said, the maybe the Magic Ugnaughts are are back there, you know, working because somebody's got to if they're going to rebuild Mandalore, somebody's got to build it. And you've got a lot of fighters, but you need, you know, you need cooks, you need masons, you know, um, all this stuff. And there's only so much you, you can you make. You need Jack Black and his droids. I just we know who say, can build. Yep. Yeah, we know who can build dome cities. <laughs> if, true. If he shows up in season four of The Mandalorian, boy, that's going to really, that, the, that, that, that's redemption for me, by the way. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say, I think Bo Katan would make sense. Even if it's a hollow, you know, like a hollow type cast, or they're just talking, uh, kind of like you saw there. Um, yeah, but I, I think it. I think it's. I think Teva. I think you're right on. I, I kind of completely spaced that, but yeah, great, great answer. Yeah. All right. Back I to th- me, right? Yeah, I think we got time for. Let's do it. Let's do um, another question from each, and we'll we'll get to our Pringles cans reviews uh, <laughs> for this episode, and and uh, call it a night. So you just found out there's a, a hidden base on your home planet and you're being called to battle, right? Do you, you're, you're, you're pre-trap on your weapons. What weapons are you strapping on? Are you strapping on hammers, uh, ready to go to battle? <laughs> are you blasters? What are, what are you going to battle with? Because, uh, we saw all sorts of folks going into battle with all kinds of Mandalorian gear. Mm. And I felt like the armor, well, while skilled, has got a hard chance of just baseball, baseball bat swinging uh, midair. But uh, what weapons or tools would you guys pick after you're going to the battle like the Mandalorians did in this episode? Mm, good, good question. Because um, we do love our trinkets uh, as as good Mandalorians. Uh, and, I, and implied by the question is just this beautiful thing about um, – I always have liked – the aspect of the Mandalorian Mercs uh, costuming group that they all are different. Like I totally respect the 501st, but their goal is to be screen accurate and perfect. And I just always love running into a a Merc and talking to them about who their character is and how they design their color scheme and their variations and so on. And and so I think this episode had the spirit of that. uh, And your question has the spirit of that. Um, You know, I, I hate to be just the lamest cliche star wars fan but i want a lightsaber i think bo katan looks so great <laughs> yeah when she turned on that dark saber I, I i'm not picky i don't need the dark saber I'll, I'll take a good kenobi blue uh lightsaber and uh go uh swinging away uh perhaps not the smartest most strategic choice but the one that i think would be the most fun so i'm going lightsaber I, I would say I'm kind of in that camp that, you know, the armorer pulled off some amazing things with those, you know, with the hammer and sickle, for lack of a better word. Uh, and, and I would say that I I would go into, I really like the design of the of the, the Beskar troopers, you know, the, the Imperial Beskar troopers. I loved their guns because when 
when at the end when they're fighting Moff Gideon and, and Din comes back in after rescuing Grogu, you know, he's got both hands with these really nice and kind of long. It almost kind of reminded me. Not not like the Carrie Fisher pistol from A New Hope, but I always kind of like that design. I always kind of like that nice long pistol as opposed to, of course, everybody's favorite DL-44 that, that Han Solo has. But I just thought it was great. Yeah. It looked good in his hands, and I would definitely have two. You know, I, you would say, you know, honorable mention for Paz Vizsla's repeating, you know, heavy blaster, although, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, after he had to, to crawl up the mountains up with all that gear. And you're like, maybe I'll just take a couple of good blasters instead and just, and just take my luck with that. But that's what I'm, that's what I'm going and give me, give me not one, but two. Um, my accuracy doesn't improve. It gets worse, but uh, I think that's how I go. <laughs> yeah, one thing that I really loved about season one was Mando when he was like upgrading his armor and he was kind of getting these new things along the way. One thing we didn't see was whistling birds. I want to see uh, it again. Like well, that would have been a great thing to go into battle with and just yeah. fire those suckers off and just take out a couple guys. And, and, you know, I feel like that I'm more of a distance player. I'll, I'll get from afar <laughs> and, and do stuff, but uh, yeah, but they're rushing to battle with those jetpacks on. And I was just like, I felt like what I take in a battle with that. So looks like birds was probably a big one. Hopefully my targets hit the bad guys, not the good guys. So uh, yeah, that'd be my pick. Hey, how about nice. when Bo-Katan fired those, those missiles from the from the kneecap um, pads. I thought that a la Boba mm. Fett. I thought that was a pretty cool. As a matter of fact, her whole like yes, she right. skids off that platform, turns around, and I was like, "All right, that one." That someone smiled. They knew she they had, had the moves. Moves. She had the moves. Yeah, yeah. The moves. some really For nice sure. choreography. I, I loved uh, Din's kind of knee slide over in yes. front of Grogu, and their kind of uh, teamwork was really great stuff too. So yeah, I'll, I'll honor mention that, that Din's just overall. Uh, ability in this episode he went like three different one-on-one battles like the hallway scenes were going on and like man that dude can i I just like i kind of forgotten that he's just like you know i'm just a dad now i'm going doing my thing but now no he's he's definitely a weapon uh, for sure didn't you love how he kept upgrading his weapons every 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 hall you know they after shields (laughs) go down it's like oh i've got one of these now it's like someone was saying another podcast was like totally out of a video game he kept leveling up his weapons and you're like all right yeah you know your audience (laughs) all right what's your last uh fantastic news uh just got a phone call while we've been recording uh dave filoni and john fabro have asked each of us to come in and we get to write one episode of season four so uh (laughs) when you're answering that call and writing your episode what plot line are you gonna tackle what are you gonna like call dibs on that you want to develop more for this universe when you answer the call of the the john and dave hotline Corey's the writer not me uh, I was thinking through like, yeah, what, what don't we know that I want to like be the first to do this thing and like have that mm-hmm. go down in Star Wars, you know, history. Um, I mean, we still haven't really heard first words from Grogu, you know, first mm-hmm. words or something like that. I mean, is that that important? Not necessarily, but um, boy, that's a really good question. I like, yeah, I don't know. Man. <laughs> the tough one. They're on the phone right now, Corey. I They're know. Gonna I hang know. Up. No. <laughs> They're going to hang up. Dave's wearing say, his hat during the call. <laughs> I want to see, yeah, this is, yeah. 
I want to see Mando, um, you know, go back back to his roots of of kind of doing the gunslinger thing, and maybe doing uh, a classic gunslinger uh, variation of like the the tin cans on a on a on a rail, and they're blasting him off. Maybe he's learning teaching Grogu to mm. to do a mm. you know a quick shot or something like that, like more of the ways of Mandalorian, uh, other than just shooting uh, paintballs at each other. You know, kind of more so more that like, hey, we're leveling up a little bit. We're I'm going to show you how to survive now. Now you're going to get around the galaxy. Let's show you how to survive in the galaxy. Kind of this one man army type thing. Uh, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, I'd love to be able to part, be part of that and figuring out how to do that. I think uh, that's one thing that we found this uh, series or this season was Grigu had the, you know, he's, it was in the IG body. Like, how do you work around that, you know? Mm. And so um, that'd be a cool uh, thing to figure out and to work with those, that whole team in general, I think would be a blast. I'm back and forth because on the one hand, I do think someone was asking, uh, a friend was asking me, it's like, well, do they repair the Darksaber? Because, you know, he might have crushed the hilt, which wasn't it supposedly Beskar, um, too. <laughs> But the kyber crystal is still there, and, you know, I, I think that would oh. be interesting. So I could, at one point, wouldn't it be awesome if you took a cue from the deleted scene in Return of the Jedi, hello, we're on the 40th, where we see Luke <laughs> building his lightsaber. Wouldn't it be badass to see, sorry, uh, to see Grogu rebuilding the darksaber and making it his? Mm. Now that we've all agreed that Bo-Katan doesn't need the darksaber to rule Mandalore with, well, it should be maybe Grogu's because every young Force user needs a toy to play with. But on the other hand, I would also love to, to have written the line that Grogu, amongst his first words, saying, this is the way in Grogu-ese, or however it's, it, it probably would be. It would break the internet as far as I'm concerned if it went The way to, this is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, that, would be, that would be two things. I, I would like to continue his growth. Uh, and challenge him a bit, you know. Uh, we, you know, we saw him really control his anger, especially when uh, you know Din was captured, and we kind of thought, "All right, <laughs> y'all have had it now." Um, and you know, who who thought when um, the Praetorian guards went inside, you know, to get Grogu, and you're like, "They're not making it out alive." <laughs> I think you're going to need more <laughs> yeah. guards, is what you're going to need. But mm-hmm. you didn't. You really see. You really saw him hold back, and so I'd really love to see more growth. And of course, as we see, you know, with with all Force users. The more you know, the more you you learn, the more you're going to have to control. I, I'd love to see that, and I think that you know, if we're going to be more, maybe you know, a little more, a little more Din, a little more Grogu, let's let's get that kid to some growth. So Corey's writing the episode that's basically Dagobah training, but the Mandalorian <laughs> version. That's Greg's right. writing. I, I was surprised you said Grogu because I thought you were going to say the armor kind of turning on that forge and, and really going to mm-hmm. town building the, the, the dark saber back. Uh, so perfect. Cause you both didn't take my episode. <laughs> I am, I'm tackling the next, uh, the next phase of the Keller and Beck Grogu flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, to oh, me, yeah. the real highlight of the season for me personally was the return of Ahmed best and all that that meant to yes. fandom and uh, everything. So I, uh, I cannot wait. I mean, I have no doubt they have more of that story to tell and that Ahmed best is going to answer his phone and, and go for it. So uh, boy, <laughs> wouldn't it be special to get to write that. I don't know if I, I would, a lot of fans seem to want him to go meet up with Jar Jar and that's the next step. I'm not sure. Oh, I'm not sure that's the one I'm writing, but uh, I would love to tackle it. Cause I, I do think, that there's a real chance, uh, back to what Corey said, that that could be re- something really special and memorable in the history of Star Wars. So I think that'd be cool. Yeah. 
All right. Kind of on that last question, where do you see Mandalore when season four begins? How far along mm. do you see them rebuilding or if you see them rebuilding at all? Um, because that's a pretty large area. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of just random creatures below the surface that are more than willing to take out everything. Uh, plus, you had this, you know, all creatures great and small. If I want to, if I want to channel that. Um, but I'm kind of curious, as you know, as they did that that shot above, and you go, do you think do you think they will will see the dome a dome city again, or will you see more of an encampment? Like I said, um, where are where are we going to see? Mandalore at the beginning of Mandalorian season four. I like what Greg said about uh, Jack Black's Dome City and them having that those resources, that backing. I definitely think that's going to come into play. It's going to quote fast forward. I would expect this whole building process. You know, as fans, we want to get get into it. I know uh, episode one was like, okay, he's going to go back to Mandalore. He's going to go back in the waters and like boom right away we got that <laughs> episode one i was like okay well, i guess we're done now like uh so yeah it's i would hope to see that like significant uh amount of building has gone on more mandalorians have been found we've like i said we found the cooks and the the cleaners <laughs> and the, the service folks that are out there doing the grunt work and 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 having pride in that and maybe some factions are you know bill still being caught up and you know i want to see that of, of flourishing because I think what makes that planet so valuable is the resources and such. Right. So, mm. and they've been such a big part of Star Wars ever since Dave Filoni kind of came, made that the way it is. So, I want to see it come back to full power, and the faster the better, uh, because then they got something that even more to fight for. And I think that's a threat in the galaxy for good and for bad, you know. Uh, and I want to see that come to to life. And, and see what, how that plays out in the galaxy. So I definitely think there'll be a significant amount of, of work done there. And in a new way, I think it'll be kind of old and new. And you, I mean, you're calling back to that that forestry or that those gardens they had too. I want to see like mm. that kind of mm -hmm. inter interweaved in some of the structures and stuff oh, to yeah, make it feel like old and new, a dome to like branches of sorts uh, would be really cool. Um, be a cool way to mix that up. Oh, I love it. Hmm. Um. Yeah, so working in the favor of that is how much we've seen Navarro grow in three seasons. Each That's season, true. it true. really you know improves markedly to everybody having their Batu fantasies this year of, of <laughs> you know how how that could be improved. Um, but working against it in my mind is we don't have a big Mandalorian presence. We don't have any Mandalorians in the sequel trilogy. So it's like, yeah, like how far can they get? How big can they get? But, but you asked for the True. wish, not the logic. And so the wish for me, <laughs> I, I would love to see a real Mandalorian fleet. I thought the, the cruiser with the mythosaur painted on it was really, really cool. Yeah. But I, I, I want to know what a Mandalorian capital ship looks like and how mm. their kind of gauntlet fighter style kind of builds out and so on. And so I want to see a fleet. And I think that demands that they advance quite a bit <laughs> if we're going to get a fleet of Mandalorians out there 
preparing to go to the unknown regions to fight Thrawn or whatever uh, is in mm. store for us. But uh, what do you think, Greg? What, you're the the expert here. Hey, anything <laughs> that anything that that somehow can tie in guns for hire, uh, I'm all about it. So get those droids in there, pull the Ugnots out, ha- go to town. Uh, because now that you've got your problem under you know your droid problem under control, let's send those battle droids over to. Uh, to Mandalorian, let's build some of that back up. I'd like to see. I think at least seeing one uh, one city back up, you know, a dome up to protect from just like I said, the random, you know, big underground things and and the the small things would kind of make sense. And I loved, I, I kind of love that callback. And you know, I see that garden underneath, and I'm like, wow, it's the Genesis uh, Wave Two from Star Trek: Wrath of Khan. Uh, I just wanted to put <laughs> that in there just because that's the first thing that came to mind. Um, it, it's a shame that in that lush vegetation, you had so many people seeking food still, uh, if you're building that, but I'm, I'm pulling, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling hairs on that one. But I, I do think that we're ha- we have to see, I'd love to go back and see that big, that big shot and see part of the dome being built, or at least in the, in the, in the process of being built. And then that way, yes. And then of course, a big, a big hunk and see, uh, like, ship port where we can see all the ships uh <laughs> flying in and out because i thought i thought those tie interceptors you know would have been taken out by all those all those other ships in in that in that in the stolen fleet but i guess the inexperience of probably some of those pilots would have gotten m- too many killed and i think that was probably the right call like just get everybody out of there and they passed them like two ships in the night they didn't even see each other yeah. pass <laughs> and yep. uh somewhere along the line there's a there's a squadron of you know tie executors that are just going somewhere uh maybe they're returning back to uh commandant hux's um which by the way i didn't realize that that was actually uh gleason's brother playing uh his oh, yeah. dad as it were and i was yeah. like that kind of blew my mind and i'm like that's perfect at any rate. No, it should have been his dad. I'm, I'm in that camp. I'm annoying <laughs> yeah. in that way. I, I love Brendan Gleeson. Uh, yes. You know, Banshees of Inna Sharon was one of my favorite movies last year. And it's dark and terrible in so many ways, but he's so good. So uh, I wanted him. Fair, but, enough, fair enough. But I'll take a brother. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. <laughs> well, Corey, it's been a pleasure to kind of uh, have you um, ask your questions and get you on. This is really fun. Uh, um I, I won't just speak for myself. Uh, Greg thought it was fun too. That, um, but then you never quite know which Greg you really meant it from. But I was kind of curious. Um, going back to the episode, what is your Pringles can rating for this episode? Yeah, I will say, uh, coming off of uh, the previous episode, where I felt like it was really kind of like a t- could have been a two parter or like a part one, part two, and I really just kind of sliced it in half, um, and I just extended it to an episode eight. Um, so coming off of that one, when all those things were, you know, the Shadow Council, all, all the Moff Gideon back, that was such a great episode. So much meat on the bone there. This was just kind of playing it all out. So I felt it was a little more lacking. So I did kind of downgrade it a little bit. Um, so if the last episode was a, you know, a 10 out of 10, I would call this an 8 out of 10. Mm, fair, enough, fair enough. Dr. Cass, what do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm really in a place I've realized all season. I'm a little cooler on Mando than the average fan, I think. Um, and some of that's Andor, like we talked about some of that. I mean, I also really love Kenobi. Uh, so it's, it's, it's hard for me to, to kind of come to this, but where, where I got to by the end of the season is realizing that Mando only wants to be going out in the backyard and playing with your action figures and that's perfectly (laughs) fine right like there's no reason it needs to be anything other than that and so 
Um, I'm trying to remember the the um, the subtitle on Doctor Strangelove. It's like how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb or something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's like how I learned to stop worrying and just love Mando. So I'm nice. I'm gonna uh, I didn't get to weigh in last week, and so I, I to to Corey's point, I'm kind of pulling the two together, and I'm still jazzed. We got Praetorian guards. I'm still jazzed. We got the Shadow Council, and uh, uh, even the the. Phantom Menace laser gates, which we haven't mentioned. Oh, come on. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm going to go for a, a nine for the two-parter, which is basically averaging Corey score and going there. So uh, I'll take the nine. Excellent. Yeah, I came into this one. I think after the first one, I, I would have gone, I would have kind of gone, you know, like a six, 6.5, just because I think I went in, like I said at the beginning of this, with all these expectations and the spies really got my head spinning. And then I kind of got it. And then after I, I, I watched it again in, in our conversation tonight, it's sort of like I did get what I wanted. You know, I, I you want Din to kind of kick back. You wanted, you know, the, the armor not to be not to be a turncoat. You wanted, you know, them to settle Mandalore. So, you know, hey, yep. you got what you wanted. Um you know, could you have did that other would that other have helped? You know, it's like, you know, how how do you like your meat cut, right? Do you want a little bit extra fat in it? Do you want it lean? And so I'm gonna I'm gonna raise it still up to about seven because I think they could have given us a little more, but um it, it's still a it's still a good episode. Um and I think you're right. I think if you tack it on with the previous one, I think that that raises it up even more. And um I, I'm yeah, every we got the Scooby Doo ending, as it were. Um but that's not such a bad thing. I, I think I think yeah. I'm good with that. All right. Um, so we are going to. Well, I am kind of curious. I'm going to kick it out to our audience. If you have questions or your thoughts on the breakfast pack, I want you to reach out on the socials. You can find uh, the show uh, at Rebel Base Card on Twitter, Instagram, Hive, Facebook, um, Substack when you can, uh, or you can email the show Greg at RebelBaseCard.com. Now I know that you are not on the main CWK show, but you are on CWK Pour Over. Corey, where can people find you online? Sure. Yeah. If you've got thoughts around this episode and want to know more about what you'd take in a battle with you, uh, if you're a Mandalorian, <laughs> I'd love to hear that. Uh, feel free to ping me uh, on on Twitter at Quarry Club. You can find me there, uh, following folks and then having fun there. If you've got a longer, you know, thought out, you know, backstory for your character, and you want me to know all about it, love to hear it. Uh, feel free to email me QuarryC at CoffeeWithKenobi.com. Nice. What about you, Mister Cass? Uh, I'm going into end of semester hibernation to grade papers uh, until I, I see, uh, you know, the the light of May. Uh, but uh, if I am escaping that and sneaking online, you can primarily find me on Instagram these days. That's kind of the go to. Uh, and uh, thank you to uh, our listeners who often reshare our posts, but also shoot me a DM. Um, nobody's told me I'm wrong in a while. So uh, I, I invite those. If somebody wants to throw me a you're wrong or every once in a while somebody finds an old uh, like, hey, Greg, in this season two episode, you were really wrong. And I'm like, OK, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Uh, so I'm doing that. Um, and I also co-host a podcast about the Wheel of Time books. Um, and so if anybody's Ooh. headed into summer and wants to tackle those before that show comes back to Amazon, um, you can find it. Uh, it's called Through the Glass Columns. And um, each episode is about two chapters and you can start right back at episode one if you want to go all the way through the books or we're uh, uh, closing in on the end of book two. I think we've got like six more weeks uh, and and are done book two uh, headed into uh, book three right after that. So uh, 
find us there. We're also going to do a, a subset of episodes about the first season of the show, which um, if you're just a show watcher and want to check those out, uh, we'd love to have you. So it's through the glass columns. You can find it on all the social media uh, platforms that I forget to do the posts on. So you can find our old posts on those social (laughs) media platforms. Um, And I will put the I put that um, always in the description of the podcast and the uh, show notes as well. Um, Lastly, we are going to be doing a series wrap um, for the Bad Batch and for Mando after the dust has settled and Greg gets all his uh, grading in. Um, I know that also on the main show we're doing where I'm gathering um, interviews for a 30th anniversary of the Star Wars Galaxy card set. Uh, and of course, we're going to have Return of the Jedi right on top of that because next month is the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi and Return of the Jedi cards. So it's going to be a very busy month. Um, but I, you know, like, it's kind of weird. You know, Greg and I have been, uh, you know, back in the saddle since January. We went through Bad Batch and went through, you know, you know, it's like we went Kenobi, then Bad Batch, and then, and then Mando. And first off, I just want to say thank you, uh, Greg, because you make this show awesome. It's so much fun, and, you know, it's nice to kind of visit. And then all these extra folks, Corey, we get to, we get to bring in all these different folks um, yeah. you know, when we can get like a, we can focus on a full show and it's just kind of like this rotating cast of characters and it's really fun. Uh, we get so many different perspectives and I think that makes the show fun. So I want to thank you for, uh, coming oh, on thanks. and adding to the, adding to the tapestry, adding to the song of the breakfast pack that, as we say right there, I just came <laughs> up with that. All righty. But it's time to get everybody back to their respective uh, planets, as it were, and to get ready for, well, to get ready for summer break. Um, but we do have some other things to do and some podcasts to listen to because I want to hear what other people think about this episode and read and things like that. So um, we will be back, like I said, uh, pretty soon to do some wrap-up episodes. Uh, but at this point, so for Corey, Greg, and myself, I want to thank you for listening. And we now return you to your podcast playlist, already in progress. This podcast is not affiliated in any way with Tops, Disney, or Star Wars, nor is it endorsed by Disney or Lucasfilm, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds, and any other related items, are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders here in the U.S. and abroad. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com dot com.